Hi, this is Tom Salami of Device Talks. Welcome to the Intuitive Talks podcast. Surgical Robotics presents an enormous opportunity for companies. There are surgeon shortages, sporadic healthcare, and miraculous technological advancement in both robotics and communications. So to understand where this sector is headed, we invited senior executives from Intuitive to share their company's impressive story. Change is coming. Consider these upcoming episodes to be guideposts for the future to follow. Hi, everyone. This is Tom Salemi. Welcome to this episode of Intuitive Talks, powered by Device Talks. We're going to be keeping our eyes on the future in this episode and some upcoming episodes as well. Today, we're going to focus uh, almost exclusively on Intuitive Ventures, which is a corporate venturing program that Intuitive announced in 2020. My guests today are Julian Nikolchev. He is president of Intuitive Ventures. He's also senior vice president of corporate development and strategy at Intuitive. And our second guest is Dr. Oliver Keown, who is managing director at Intuitive Ventures. He's leading up the new team. They've got five companies in their portfolio. We'll talk about them today. We'll talk about their strategy and what Intuitive Ventures means for the company's future going forward. So uh, it's great to uh, reconnect with uh, Julian and Oliver. I spoke with them a couple of years ago on our Device Talks weekly podcast when they first announced the effort, and they have been busy, so lots to catch up on. Before I begin this episode, I'd like to tell you about an event that Device Talks is putting on in May. It's called Device Talks Boston. It'll be held at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center, and uh, takes place on May 10th and 11th. And I'm uh, bringing it up because it's our first event that we've had, actually, that I've been able to organize since coming to Device Talks. I'm excited to uh, to be meeting up in Boston, but it's also going to be co-located with two of our robotic events, including the Healthcare Robotics Engineering Forum and the Robotics Summit and Expo. So this is going to be a huge combination of events at the BCEC. I hope you will check it out. Go to Device Talks dot com or roboticssummit.com to find out more information about these two events and about the Healthcare Robotics Engineering Forum. They will be uh, very complimentary content. I'll be focusing on medical devices, but also on surgical robotics. But uh, you'll hear from a lot of great leaders in the robotics space and the healthcare robotics space at those other two events. So go to devicetalks.com or roboticsummit.com for more information. And if you decide to register, please use this code, a DTW25. That stands for Device Talks Weekly, our uh, other podcast, DTW25. And you will save 25% off the registration price of Device Talks Boston. So hope to see you there in Boston on May 10th and 11th. Now let's begin this conversation with Julian Nikolchev and Oliver Kion. Well, Julian Nikolchev and Oliver Kion, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. Happy to be here. 
we had you on our on my previous podcast. We had you earlier on my Device Talks Weekly podcast. Uh, that was two years ago, which in COVID time is like five years, dog years or something like that. So we've got a lot to catch up on. Plus, you've been very busy. So uh, would though like to uh, to revisit sort of your origins. And uh, I always like to understand how folks found their way into the med tech industry. So Julian, maybe you could take us back to uh, that first job in the medical device industry that started this terrific career. Oh, I don't know if I want to start. That's in the previous century, but, <laughs> but um, it's great to see you, Tom. And we've known each other for that long, probably. But <laughs> no so while. my origin is really starting at SRI a long time ago and starting to look at medical technologies at SRI around the time when Intuitive was being considered by Fred Mall. So I've had that long connection to Intuitive indirectly, at least from the beginning. And then since then, I've been working mostly all in the medtech space, working at Target Therapeutics originally, taking their technology and spinning out a company called Conceptus that uh, was focused on women's healthcare and contraception. And then from there, moving into another company with Susan Love that was focused on breast cancer called Product, and several other startups, most recently an orthopedic company, Pivot Medical. Basically, what's interesting and what brings me to Intuitive over time is that most of the companies I've been involved in have been focused on bringing minimally invasive or less invasive technologies to the healthcare space. So in most cases, taking an open surgical procedure like target therapeutics, developing coils and guide wires and, and catheters to access deep brain malfunctions, you know, aneurysms and arterial venous malfunctions. And uh, in the breast cancer area, we focused on detection of breast cancer by accessing the milk ducts. So that's been a theme in, in my history, at least, mm -hmm. which led me to Intuitive. I'd forgotten about the stint at SRI. I'm just curious, how involved were you with the uh, Intuitive technology at that time? Were you aware of it or were you actually working on it? I was aware of it. Yeah. I was working in the actually in the new technology group, uh, okay. which was different than the development research group. And the research group was developing the robotics technology. So I was pretty well aware of what was going on and the direction they were taking. And I did not meet Fred, actually, until after I left uh, SRI and started with Conceptus. And then he and I worked together a little bit to uh, see if we can collaborate in women's healthcare. Interesting. Okay, great. And Oliver, uh, your turn. Uh, I know you're a physician, so I don't know, did your interest in medtech follow your interest in medicine or did you get interested in medicine because of an interest in medtech? How did that all come together? Yeah, it started, as you say, it started off across the pond in the NHS back in the UK as a physician. Spent a couple of years there. I, I've always been super passionate about you know entrepreneurship and startups and technology. And that kind of drove me from the clinical side of things into more of the technology and policy side, I, I moved out of clinical practice and uh, joined the Institute of Global Health Innovation at Imperial College, mm -hmm. where I was working on a really broad portfolio of healthcare policy, translational medtech device and digital translational projects, and out of academia and industry partnerships, which was a wonderful training, you know, across those different aspects and set me up, I think, pretty well for the step into venture capital with GE Ventures, which was a nice nice place to kind of go from the macro of the policy of the the clinical need down to the you know the minutiae of the science and the technology mm -hmm. investing there with the team across uh, the life sciences tools uh, devices and, and digital and um from from there uh, made uh, the transition three years ago to to join intuitive and 
join Julian, Dave Rosa, and the leadership to, to help launch the new venture investing efforts, Intuitive Ventures. That's terrific. We'll talk about the particulars of Intuitive Ventures in a moment, the size of the fund, talk about your portfolio. But, but Julian, I wanted to talk a bit more broadly about the program or the umbrella that Intuitive Ventures falls under, the Future Forward program at, at Intuitive Surgical. Uh, it's a great time, of course, to be looking forward as a surgical robotics company. There's so much going on in this space. I feel like we, t- we talked about this two years ago. Like I said, I feel like over that time, I've learned probably about two or three dozen surgical robotics companies. They're just all over the place now. So tell us about the Future Forward program. What is its intentions and, and what is its structure and design? As everyone knows, Intuitive has now three platforms on the market. You know, the Da Vinci, the multiport, the classic Da Vinci, if you will, the, the four-arm Da Vinci, the single-arm Da Vinci, which we call SP Da Vinci, and the ION, which is an interluminal access and navigational platform for a focus on the lung. Those three platforms each have a very, I would say, well-designed roadmap for evolution of the technology from one generation to the next generation. What intuitive leadership realized and started thinking about maybe three years ago, as I said, was the fact that while each one of these platforms has a, a roadmap going forward for the next generation, which is about three to five years, there's a benefit to think beyond that timeline, to think five to 10 years ahead and see how healthcare will influence potentially minimally invasive surgery, given that Intuitive's mission is to satisfy the quote aim thinking about how we can improve patient outcome uh, with minimally invasive approaches. So the real mission for Future Forward is to, to take a broad perspective on new opportunities, both technological and clinical and business opportunities that are in that five to 10 year horizon. And for that, we have kind of three pillars that we can use to engage with companies and to think about new opportunities. One is our business development activity, which has been around for a while, and the business development group is focused on improving the business development opportunity or providing business development opportunities to our current products, as well as identifying new business opportunities. We have the intuitive ventures that Oliver will describe in more details. And then we have also an internal research team that's exploring new technologies that are a little bit beyond our product lifecycle timeline. So these are technologies around the corner that can influence some of our developments. So we this way, with those three platforms, we can engage with the outside world through research, investments, and partnerships. So we have uh, a lot of room in kind of an unusual way to engage with, the, with external opportunities. Do those three programs run constantly on parallel tracks, or is there a lot of intersection and cross-pollination? Yeah, well, clearly there is a cross-pollination to some extent, but we also have pretty clearly defined rules of engagement, if you will, with external companies. And for example, on the business development cycle, we would involve with projects that would be of interest to us from a business development point of view. So for example, that would involve a licensing agreement, could involve a joint development agreement, and so on. On the intuitive ventures, Oliver will describe pretty clearly we have a different way of thinking about how to engage with external startup opportunities, including financial motivation for the team to succeed and make the Intuitive Ventures Fund be financially successful. On the research side, we engage with a lot of research institutions. We actually sponsor a lot of research 
in universities and other research institutions, mm-hmm. as well as work internally on exploring some new ideas. Terrific. Well, Oliver, let's switch over to you. Uh, let's talk a bit about Intuitive Ventures. I'm looking at the website, ventures.intuitive.com. Tell us about the size of the fund, first of all, and, uh, and the strategy. Yeah, it's fun to get a recap, you know, two years in since we last spoke, Tom, on, on our progress and, and where we've got to. As Julian mentioned, our ventures effort really is about taking a financial lens and smart capital to go out and support and accelerate early stage companies beyond where Intuitive is today and in the ecosystems of minimally invasive care. That That's our North Star, really accelerating the future of minimally invasive care. And I can share more about what that means and translates into as we think about the digital, the therapeutic and the diagnostic categories that we invest in. But practically speaking, we're a $100 million vehicle and we're investing at early stage seeds, Series A, Series B and stage companies, typically writing checks half a million dollars up to five plus million dollars and supporting those companies for independent success. As, as Julian mentioned, we, we do have very clear swim lanes um, as it relates to our venture investments. So when we deploy capital, um, we're really deploying that for alignment with the startups that we're investing in, the co-investors that we're investing alongside. We're not you know pulling in strategic terms or trying to limit the optionality for those companies. We're really trying to accelerate them and bring them closer to Intuitive so that we can leverage some of the unique resources and capabilities and access that we have you know, within reach here, our customers, our KOLs, and our experience, uh, but really supporting them for that, that independent journey. Since we launched, we've made five investments to date. Uh, so a growing portfolio, uh, a few of those are still in stealth mode and updates to follow in due course. But uh, you know, per our website, a few of these here public and a pretty healthy pipeline of deals uh, in the hopper uh, just at the moment too. Yeah, and I'd like to go over that portfolio in a moment and looking at the website, I only see three names, one to be announced. So there's one that's super double stealth, I guess, not even not even to be announced <laughs> on the website. And, and I do want to talk about the, the team as well, because it expanded. But first, the understanding of corporate investments now, one time back in the day, you know, it would have been like, oh, this this company will acquire that startup at some point or at least is interested in possibly doing that. I think we've all moved beyond that point where capital can just be sort of a way to be engaged with a company. But but what should an investment from Intuitive Ventures say to a company and anyone looking at that company that you're merely interested in that specific company or this is a strategic area for Intuitive at large? How How should someone interpret or see that investment? Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, and, and it ultimately comes back to what is the the driving philosophy for the venture fund. And at Intuitive Ventures, it is really about having that eye on the horizon and and activating the important trends that we think are going to be impactful to our you know to patients to minimally invasive care broadly. So that means it's both strategic excellence and financial excellence in in the deals that we are supporting. Typically, we'll look for a category, we'll, we'll define an area of import as a team and really understand the landscape, build a thesis, and then we'll only deploy capital into companies where we see you know, opportunity for great financial success, you know, opportunity to be a category leader or a significant player in a field. So I think, I think that's ultimately you know, where the best of corporate ventures going and what we try and embody here at Intuitive Ventures. You know, if we're betting and supporting the best companies... I think that benefits the corporate parents. It, it obviously increases optionality going forward, but it's this nuanced way where to be a sustainable group, a sustainable venture platform, and to be the best partner to the startups and the most attractive partner 
um, longer term to the the startup ecosystem that we're aligned for the financial success. And you know, me and the team that we've hired, who are both superstars, and and, and the ones that we're hoping to hire in in uh, the year or so to come, you know, are excited about having that alignment with the startups so that we can really provide that uh, that acceleration to the field. Julian, you were uh, you were in the venture industry for a time. You were at Fraser for sure, working with them on, on several companies. I'd love your take on sort of uh, on where Intuitive fits into the venture ecosystem. I think what Oliver described actually is key to what we think would be the success of Intuitive Ventures. When you think about it, like you said, the typical you know corporate venture group, it sort of has maybe in some ways a mixed role, the role of business development as well as the role of investment. And if one of the roles is not fulfilled, then it becomes very difficult to sustain the activity going forward. So in our case, I think having clear swim lanes, the idea is that we want to be aligned correctly with the companies as we work forward. So on the intuitive ventures, as Oliver described, we can be aligned with the company to always and enhance their success, enhance their approach to the technology, approach to the clinical need they're addressing. If we engage from a business development point of view, we're very clear about what our business motivations are for working with that company. And I think over time, that working this way with companies makes our engagement more successful, as well as I think it will continue to uh, encourage for and enhance the ecosystem contacts that we have with the startup world. We inherently believe that a lot of the innovation in healthcare, as you know, is created by startups. Obviously, Intuitive was one at one time, and I think uh, for us to uh, play a role in the ecosystem is both not only to learn about some of the new things that are on the horizon, but as well as to motivate the, the innovation process. That's another aspect of our mission which is aligned with, I think, what the venture capital firms would want to do. So we try to be like a venture capital firm. Well, I can even see from the team, and maybe this is a good time to sort of talk about the team. Typically, back in the day, you'd see see folks from within the corporation sort of take a stint in the venture capital role. Your team here very much comes from the the startup world with connections to Stanford, Oculive, uh, Oliver, you were at uh, G Capital. So Oliver, it seems like, and, and Julian, it seems like you really wanted to build a venture capital team as opposed to an intuitive team investing. Yeah, and I, I think that's right. Certainly, we want to build professional corporate venture investors that sure. really understand the the hustle, the kind of deal process, the execution, the deal making skill set. Whether in the future that comes from colleagues that are you know within Intuitive that have the skills or or the drive to join the team or externally, but certainly. In, uh, in these two uh, initial hires with Jopi and Vivian, we've got two superstars that are, are really deep in that startup clinical spaces, you know, the biomedical engineering side with Jopi's background and startup experience, Vivian with the clinical Stanford biodesign, medtech incubator background. So excited for, for their development and, and the deal flow that they're being able to you know, ignite um, across some of the fields that we're, we're looking into be it digital, focal therapeutics, or some of the diagnostic domains that we're we're diving into here. Excellent. Well, let's uh, let's look at uh, at the portfolio. Then you mentioned the the number. You've got five companies. I'm, as I said, I see three names on the website. One to be announced, but uh, let's talk about the three that were four that we can talk about. I think Keela Health was that the first one that you invested. In? Talk a bit about the portfolio and sort of where the lines 
connect to intuitive, sort of near your areas of interest. And Oliver, maybe you go first and, and Julian, you can sort of follow. Yeah, yeah. I'll maybe start on the digital side. And we've got two investments in that space, pretty rich pipeline that you know I think we'll be expanding upon in the future. But our, our digital thesis is really, you know, what does that broader continuum of care look like for minimum invasive surgical patients? Where are there opportunities to unlock the power of data to accelerate innovation, better outcomes, the quadruple aim as, as Julian alluded to? You know, I, I go back to where is intuitive's you know unique assets and capabilities. We have 25 years of sensors on the robots, 10 million procedures of data collected. We have this ecosystem of, of data partnerships and collaboration. For me, what does that look like as we think about the startup world and how they might engage and interact with these types of unique assets going forward? And so Kila Health, one of our digital investments, that's really about uh, perioperative care continuum decision support, both on the clinical side and operational side, taking patient precision kind of decision supports, you know, algorithms trained on longitudinal data sets that are updated based on a patient's own care journey in real time to drive decision making that will enhance the patient outcome and reduce the, the cost of care. And so they're getting some fantastic traction as hospital customers as well as ASC customers and as this integrated solution. Another uh, startup in our digital portfolio more recently is a company we invest in called Flywheel. Mm -hmm. We made that investment last year. Really exciting, more mature company, you know, Series C stage. And that is a data management uh, solution, really a bioinformatics platform to accelerate AI development uh, around complex data sets that might mm -hmm. leverage imaging or video data. And really, they're looking to be the leader in this move towards data collaboration that we think is a, a pretty fundamental trend in the field as the sovereignty of data between hospitals and life science and patients and physicians and kind of plays out in real time. It, it's pretty clear that the collaboration between different data sets, different stakeholders is going to be critical. What Flywheel has is a pretty unique platform that can take complex imaging data sets and video data sets and facilitate that collaboration between stakeholders. They're making tremendous kind of advances in that field, which we're excited about, which we think is a pretty fundamental trend for the future. That's our digital portfolio today. I'd say we continue to be pretty excited about you know, decision support, analytic tools across the care pathway, but even through to things like care navigation solutions, you know, the trends around consumerization of healthcare and some of the opportunities to leverage data across those domains. So we're, we're pretty active and deep in the weeds with uh, a number of opportunities and things in, in those spaces. I'll pause there, Tom, but that, that's kind of our digital side. So that's the digital side of your portfolio. Let's, you have a few on the device side as well, Oliver. Can you give us some details on uh, endogenics? Yes, I can. Yeah, absolutely. So th this is really falls into our theme that we describe as focal therapeutics. So where we see the opportunity for access, precision, surgical planning, navigation technologies to really enable delivery of therapeutic payloads at the site of disease, um, or maybe le leveraging access to biopsies, etc. on a care journey. We're really excited about what that means for therapeutic opportunities. And again, taking our venture lens to invest in some of those independent areas, we're looking at devices, we're looking at biotech deals in the cell and gene therapy spaces, immunotherapy, for example. But taking some of the deals we've done as examples, 
Endogenics, it is a company that's still in stealth at the moment, but it is leveraging focal therapeutics uh, in the GI space uh, to, to combat GI and metabolic disorders. So it's a really exciting example. I think you'll hear more of this company in, in the months to come as, as they make progress and announce some of their, their updates. We did make a another investment. Again, this is stealth. It's the frustrating period that we're in where we've got a, a burgeoning portfolio, but can't talk too much to it. But this other deal is really about bringing immunotherapy, oncology-based um, biotech therapies into the surgical setting wow. in a very sophisticated way that we're excited about. And so that's another deal that will be announced in due course as they uh, make their progress. But uh, we're excited to support these types of companies that are delivering these therapies in, in novel ways. And Julian can certainly speak more to that broader thesis. I can jump in and just provide a little bit of an overview on both of those themes, because what, what Oliver described is two significant themes that were influenced by uh, what we see are trends in, in the healthcare, broadly speaking. So when you think about health data, as an example, data currently is owned by a number of groups, if you will, governments, hospitals, individuals, surgeons. So collaboration among those groups to kind of have access to the data and to make sense of it is obviously something that's going to be very important. The other aspect of, of the data, given the breadth and the proliferation of different data, is using AI and machine learning as a way to make sense out of the data and also to inform and enhance the capabilities of surgeons to provide continual improvements in uh, patient outcomes. So one can think about is coming together, providing information to the surgeons in real time, as well as the care teams around the surgeon that are supporting the patients throughout the patient journey. Those are the theme that is kind of influencing some of the decisions that we're making. And then in addition to that, when you combine the digital aspect that is growing, the digital capabilities that are growing with some of the analytics and some of the additional diagnostics capabilities, we're starting to detect uh, diseases earlier in their progression. And we are also understanding the progression of the diseases better. So that's is going to inform how we can influence treatments at a focal site. That's the kind of the focal therapy theme that Oliver referred to. But it's also bringing the treatment even less invasively, if you will, to treat the site in a, in a way that could be potentially at a molecular level. Because now we are diagnosing diseases so early that we want to be able to treat it with minimal collateral damage. So that's some of the major themes that are influencing our thinking about investments on the venture side, because they would basically inform us of the direction that technology can take, as well as the adoption cycles that will drive some of these clinical opportunities. So looking forward, kind of wrapping this up, what does a successful outcome for intuitive ventures, at least at this stage, look like? And in three to four years, will these companies have informed intuitive to take initiatives internally to sort of meet those needs identified by these startups? Is it successful if these startups become part of intuitive in some way through a collaboration or acquisition? What do you see as success at this point, understanding that things change, but what does the future look like in a few years for intuitive ventures? I think first and foremost, uh, you know, Tom, it's having a really compelling portfolio of 
really transformative, impactful early stage companies that maybe are more mature because we've given it some time that are really moving the needle for patient outcomes and the field of minimally invasive care. That is the benchmark, you know, I think that we're trying to achieve. I think what that translates into is a very healthy portfolio financially that has achieved, you know, what we would like to in terms of competitive financial returns or at least kind of value generation at a portfolio level. On the strategic side, certainly we would love to see collaboration, uh, engagement between some of the companies or at least some of the thematics and areas that we're investing in having an impact on the fields that Intuitive is in. We purposely have defined success on that front broadly so that we're not holding ourselves accountable to a very narrow you know, set of metrics like acquisitions and partnerships and things like that, because you know, we really need to look out ahead and invest in these companies that, that are tra- you know, trailblazing new paths. But we would love to see some of that collaboration. We do maintain a firewall between our venture efforts and the broader business. So you know, there's a nuance to that translation of insights and kind of understanding of the market to intuitive proper. But that's that's part of the job of you know, the sophisticated venture arm to provide that uh, safety and security of information and support for those investments, as well as providing some thought leadership within the company for for where the puck's going. Um, but I think that's the the kind of melee of success. More capital to make more investments would be the the next order of business for sure on that uh, front too, Tom. And, and just to drill down on that uh, one point, so the startups, the sole thing they're getting from this relationship, this investment from Intuitive Ventures is is the capital investment. There's no guarantee of connections to the company or any sort of access to resources within the corporate? So there is certainly access to resources support uh, fostered by the ventures team. There's no guarantee of partnership or commercial engagement or things like that. We really provide as a team the the, the proximity, the interchange, the, the kind of introductions and facilitation to those types of conversations. We've already made some great progress actually on that front and continue to see that as an important proof point for the portfolio that we invest in. So as a team, they do get that access, they do get that support. But any actual engagement between the startup and Intuitive Proper would be negotiated much like a startup interacting with a BD or you know corporate. And, and that's important. So it means that our venture equity, the ventures team are not conflicted, given we want to see and we're aligned to the financial success of the deals we're making. So that is, again, best practice that that's neutral third party where we help facilitate, but don't you know put our thumb on the scales too heavily um, as those companies uh, collaborate and with Intuitive. And you, Julian, final final word to you. What, is, uh, what does success look like from your perspective? Well, I think Oliver framed it quite well. The one aspect that I would add to it from our broader perspective from Future Forward as well as from Intuitive is that one part of the success would be really enhancing the innovation ecosystem in the medtech space. And that is contributing to some technologies that potentially are not only going to benefit Intuitive, but benefit broadly, understanding progression, improving outcomes, progression of diseases, improving outcomes, and enhancing the capabilities of our customers, surgeons and hospitals. An example of that, for example, would be the multiple technologies that can influence or can guide our understanding of the surgical tissue, for example, during surgery. You know, imaging technologies can be, in a varied way, provide different information and characterize the tissue that the surgeon is working on. So if we have a knowledge about the characteristics, about the tissue capabilities that 
could be a good way to inform the surgeon about how to proceed with the procedure. And there's a number of, this is a whole ecosystem of technologies that could be developed in that area that could benefit in many different cases, not only in the cases where intuitive is involved in. So a broader benefit to the ecosystem, I think, is an advantage. The other one, of course, is just really fundamentally aligning with our mission, which is to improve patient outcomes and uh, support the, the quadruple aim that we referred to before. Fantastic. Well, a lot has happened since we uh, talked first in October 2020. Uh, so I'm excited to visit with you again in a couple of years and, and see your progress. Thank you. Uh, thank you both for joining us in the podcast. And that is a wrap. Thanks again to Julian Nikolchev and Oliver Keown for joining us on the Intuitive Talks podcast. Thank you for listening. Please do tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. You can subscribe to our Device Talks podcast channel, receive future episodes of Intuitive Talks and Striker Talks and our Device Talks weekly podcast. You can also subscribe to the Device Talks podcast channel on any major podcast player. You can find all of these podcasts and more at devicetalks.com. You can also find information about Device Talks Boston, which is coming up May 10th and 11th. Once again, it's co-located with our Robotics Summit and Expo and our Healthcare Robotics Engineering Forum. If you register for one event, you get to attend all three. So go to devicetalks.com or if you want to check out roboticsummit.com, you'll see more information about those events. Hope to see you there in Boston. Finally, please do follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at MedTechTom, on LinkedIn, Tom, S-A-L-E-M-I. Find me there when you share this podcast episode on your social media channels, or if you just want to connect, I'd love to be part of your future medical device and robotics conversations. That is a wrap. Tune in next month. We'll have another great episode of the Intuitive Talks podcast waiting for you.